0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. This is
1: the Great Pets Radio Show with professional dog trainer Brian Kilcommons and Dr. Jim McKiernan of the Great Bay Animal Hospital. The Great Pets Radio Show. Now, here's Brian and Dr. Jim.
2: Good morning and welcome to Great Pets. I'm Brian Kilcommons. Uh, Dr. Jim will be calling in and we have a guest today, Terrence Kirby from My Dog's Mind. We're going to be talking about puppies. So if you have a new puppy, uh, give us a call at 1-888-441-9876. Um, some doggy dirt. The AKC's super-secret online pet shop software is designed to add puppies to inventory, view puppy information from pet stores, and sell retur- and return puppies. When the delegates, with the AKC there, they have delegates from all the different regions and clubs. So when the delegates rebelled against AKC's contract with Petland, which is a huge uh, puppy store, in 2006, um, they were cautioned against complacency, predicting that a financial alliance between the American Kennel Club, Pet Shops, and Puppy Mills was in fact not off the table. Evidently not. Hey, for you breeders out there. You know, this is serious stuff. Uh, Prime was copyrighted in the early 2009, but development began way earlier than that, we know. So, what they're doing is basically giving legitimacy to puppy mills so they can send in their papers on the honor system. Understand this the honor system. Okay? Most people understand at this point in our culture that, that it's something, especially when you're dealing with puppies' papers and money, is not something you can trust. So, the bottom line is, is that the AKC, because they need money and they want to up registrations, have now extended their brand and their uh, certificates to uh, Puppy Mills. And there are a lot of questions that come up here. And one of the things... People have been questioning this, and this is the response from some of the questions that came up. Your questions refer to internal business matters. Because of the competitive nature of our business, we are unable to provide you with confidential information regarding this or any other business process. Sincerely, David Roberts, VP, Registration Services, American Kennel Club. Well, this is the dirt, people. We're going to be getting the AKC online and see if they'll answer our questions, because this is troubling. There's no way for people to really understand what's behind their dog's bloodlines with programs like this. And also, I'm going to start talking to some of the breed clubs. There are a lot of really responsible, ethical breeders that care for their dogs and do the best to produce quality dogs. They're going to take a big hit on this one. And maybe, you know, one of the competition within the certification field or papers, there's a Continental Kennel Club, there is other competition for the AKC. But this really, I think, um, impacts on their so called brand. People believe that AKC papers were a sign of quality. They're not, they're registration forms. But the stud books and how they're following different bloodlines really does matter. And this, I think, is going to muddy the waters. So, any breeders out there, give us a call. Let us know what you think at 1-888-441-9876. So, Mr. Kirby.
3: Mr. Kilcommons.
2: So, we were talking earlier. He's hot on puppies, so to speak. Um, So, tell me your thinking on puppies.
3: Well, I'm hot on puppies because I have a puppy now. My wife, uh, for her birthday, bought herself a 12-week-old Australian cattle dog puppy. (laughs)
2: <laughs>
3: from a great how many kids do you have? We have well, just three. Just three. So we have three, three kids: six, H- four, and two. And how many dogs? Uh, now three. Back up to three.
2: Back up. No, well, two was great. The one you just got is kind of two and a half.
3: Yeah, he's two and a half, and um, a fish and a cat.
2: Okay, in a, a business. So why an Australian Cattle Dog?
3: Well, it's kind of our it's kind of our breed. It's the it's the breed we chose when we were uh, dating together. It's been our breed for the last. Uh, 12 years or so. Sure. Um, I like them because I'm I'm partial to the herding dogs. I like the loyalty of the dog. I like the uh, zest and zeal of the Australian cattle dog. And I think they're one of the best 45 or 50-pound dogs for my personality. They're a and dog style. trainer's dog. Give me a They're a, a break, dog trainer's Terrence. dog.
2: They like to bite. <laughs> <laughs> That's the bottom line. They're made to take on cattle, 1,500 pounds. They're 40 pounds. You Gotta think they're em. coming out with an attitude? <laughs> All right. So what I was going to bring them in today. <clears throat> I would have loved to see them. I like the breed, but you know they're not for most people. They're it's, not for most. people. It's really a dog trainer's dog,
3: like the like the Malinois and some of the some of the other herding the, breeds. Yes. So
2: all right. So what are you doing with this puppy?
3: So with this puppy, um, we have a busy lifestyle. So we have, like I said, the three kids and school and karate and soccer. So we feed three times a day. So we train three times a day. So each meal is a little training session. And that helps us kind of get our training in so we don't have to put a separate time aside to do quote-unquote puppy training. So during our feeding, we work on our sits and our downs and our go-to-your-place and and eye contact and come-when-called and name recognition. And then we just kind of take the the puppy and involve them in our life. So the puppy will go to the bank. The puppy goes to... the soccer practice and to pick up the kids so it, lots of socialization
2: and we also have them enrolled in a, in a puppy class all right and one of the things we were discussing which i think is some confusion for people inoculations in puppy class right because the, the thing is is that before they were saying it has to be you know at least 16 weeks before it can be exposed correct and that correlates with the imprinting period which is basically closing at that point. Yeah, it's kind of conflicting. You, yeah. So I think the vets are looking at this again, and Dr. McKiernan's going to be calling in about inoculations. But let's talk about impact and as far as t- getting puppies to class. What age are you suggesting on a behavioral level? On a behavioral level,
3: I'd like to see the puppies in there between 11 and 12 weeks. And, of course, I want, I want my clients to check with their vets and follow their vets' protocol in terms of their inoculations. But I'd like to see the puppies in there in 10 to 12 weeks. My puppy went into his class at 12 weeks. At 12 weeks? Yeah. So what and that class- is the tail end of the imprint, what they call the imprinting stage, the social imprinting. So
2: what class are you going to?
3: It's, the, it's at my dog's mine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's your own class. You're right on the secret. You're actually training your own dog. You're right. a puppy at this point. I asked my wife, how was class tonight? <laughs> <laughs> and, and she's still mad about soccer. Right. And you're not showing up. Um, all right, so what value is this to people? Well, it, you know,
3: it gets people out, and it gets the dogs out, and, and we can talk about how dogs interact and how puppies interact. And it gets the puppy to move around with other dogs and meet other people, and it um, and exposes them to positive experiences, which are critical in this stage.
2: All right, we're going to be talking about raising puppies, getting them socialized, early training, and Dr. Jim McKiernan is going to be on the line, and we'll be talking about inoculations and why you should follow. So we'll be back. Give us a call at 1 888 441 9876.
0: Pawfume Dog Grooming and Finishing Spray is proud to be a new sponsor of Pet Life Radio. Pawfume's super long-lasting sprays are available in four unique fragrances. Each Pawfume spray is fortified with the finest conditioners and detanglers to make combing out your dog more fun. Pawfume retails for only $2 per 6-ounce bottle. Pawfume is available nationwide at all Dollar General and Family Dollar stores. Why pay more to have your dog smell great? Pawfume, P-A-W-F-U-M-E.
4: This valuable information comes from your pet. There's nothing like a wagging tail or friendly paw to lift your mood. They're therapeutic and make us feel good. Studies show pets even reduce stress, prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure, and fight depression. So there you have it. Pets are a daily dose of good health and happiness.
1: DSPN with your host, Lori Williams. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.
0: Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
2: Will the world change? Who knows? Hopefully we can make some changes. Anyway, we got Dr. Jim on the line. What? He's calling in. Okay, he left us, so he'll be back. Um, and we're going to be talking about inoculations. It's one of the confusing areas with new puppy owners on the information that they get when they can expose their puppies to other dogs and puppies. Um, and the inoculation uh, system has changed, and we're going to be talking about that as soon as Dr. Jim calls in. And, in fact, that's him. Dr. Jim. Dr. Jim. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, how are you? I'm very well. Good. Uh, Hey, Terrence, you sound
5: pretty good.
3: Thanks, Dr.
2: Jim.
5: Don't get too comfortable in my seat, though. All right. (laughs) You guys do sound good, though. Good show. Interesting stuff.
2: Yeah, and we're also going to be talking about this new... uh, It's not a new study, but a lot of people are quoting it now from the University of Pennsylvania. You know? How to look at bad science. Mm-hmm. yeah with on behavior I looked at this thing it really is a joke um but anyway we're going to be talking we're talking about inoculations. what's your call on this well you know Brian um,
5: the, the whole concept of inoculations was kind of uh it was it was stressful for many veterinarians because w- we didn't have a cookbook we didn't have a protocol, so we all as a profession were waiting for someone to step forth and say this is what we should do and and that the entity that we were all waiting for was the AVMA. And they didn't come through. They kind of came out and said-
2: Something new and different.
5: Yeah, they kind of came out and just said, you know what, almost use your best judgment, and if if the particular disease is endemic in your area, then consider vaccinating. We wanted more. So from that came, and I think you already referenced it on the show this morning, the AHA protocol.
2: The Am- which, American Animal Hospital Association. Yeah,
5: which is online. I mean, people can reference that. And that's generally the one that a lot of us are following. So the question comes with puppies. And it's a great topic for this time of year because, you know, interestingly enough, for the last five weeks on the show, we've been talking about not having puppies under the tree. And, Brian, I've got to tell you, the number of new puppies I've seen has been really something. But... Here's the bottom line. Puppies are born with maternal antibodies, so they are fully able to go out and see the world. The word, uh, we used to have dogs and puppies just go out and you know be around other dogs after their second inoculation, which would be 12 weeks, and that's what I usually do. Now, does that mean you should keep that dog inside the house between 8 and 12 weeks? No. So, you know, I mean, Terrence and I talked briefly on it. Show them the world. Take them out. Have fun.
2: You you don't want to put them down in areas where a lot of other dogs have been, correct? If it's an eight-week, ten-week-old puppy?
5: I would keep them more close to home. But it doesn't mean that your dog has to sit in your living room for four weeks until it gets its second inoculation.
2: Right. You can have kids come in. You can bring them in the backyard, the front yard. Yes. Okay.
3: What's the big one, Jim? Is it parvovirus that's the biggest concern? Yes.
5: Parvo virus can actually, you know, that is very contagious. We know that maternal antibodies don't wean from that until about 20 weeks of age. So the whole concept on vaccinating is as the maternal antibodies that they get from mom wean off, we then vaccinate and then booster to get their immune system going. Mm-hmm. Distemper, it's about 16 weeks. Parvo, it's about 20 So subsequently, many breeds, maybe the the pits or the lardies and such, some vets have even gone beyond the usual ending at 16 weeks and giving a parvo booster at 20 weeks.
2: What, because they're more susceptible?
5: Yeah, as a breed, they tend to be young.
2: All right, what are some of the signs of parvo?
5: Oh, gosh, just a really nasty, disgusting, uh, very sad case of uh, diarrhea and vomiting for puppies. And so, it's so contagious, Brian. You know, at Tufts, we, we gowned up like we were walking into uh, Three Mile Island. You know, I mean, you had gloves, you had hats, you had, you know, outfits. It is so contagious. It can actually live on the sidewalk for a year. So it's very contagious. But we just don't see a whole lot of it anymore, but it is there. The cases I have seen have been in, like, pet shops and such.
3: Is that dogs from coming from the south, or is it more, is it, is it more susceptible in a, a warm environment, Doc?
5: Yeah, but, you know... I think it's all it's, it's, it's not all that prevalent however we did uh, have a case in Maine of distemper and this was within the last three months ago and that's the first one Brian I've uh, Terrence I've heard of in in years almost a decade
2: a pet dog or a shelter dog
5: it's from a shelter
2: okay so it wasn't inoculated so you know
5: why though Brian we're not seeing it it's because we're vaccinating for it right so as much as we say as a profession oh boy we're over vaccinating no some, we're not now if you follow these rules and that's that's why we're not seeing the disease
2: well it was interesting on an earlier show uh... dr jim we were talking about vaccinating for canine influenza and you're like no <laughs> but there are specific vaccines that people should uh, use to protect their puppies and what would they be
5: well you have the core vaccines which we call distemper and, and rabies uh... those are what we we generally do for most puppies and then the other and when we say distemper there tends to be other uh this adenovirus this parvo this parainfluenza kind of linked with it and then you have your kind of non-core vaccines which would, which would be something called leptospirosis um and and then kennel cough is one that i'm not a huge fan of as you know and the last one is limes which i am a huge fan of
2: okay so um so as far as there's a lot of uh, vaccines for people to choose from, and discussing it with their vets. Now the other thing, one of, but the, you know what, Brian? What?
5: That's the you just nailed it right there, is is having that discussion with your vet to see what's. I mean, if you got a dog that's not going on hikes in the woods a lot, uh, you know, things like that. Maybe he's not a candidate for certain vaccines. You know.
2: So the, you should really discuss it with your vet. The other yeah. thing is the timing between inoculations. Before, you know, five and one was, they didn't think was a problem. But now they're a little bit more conservative and spreading them out? We do, yeah. All right. We're going to be talking about this when we get back from break. Can you hold on, Dr. Jim? Absolutely. Great. Give us a call at 1-888-441-9876. You're with Great Pets with Terrence Kirby from My Dog's Mind. Dr. Jim is on the line. So if you have questions, give us a call. We'll be back.
6: It's time for school for you and your friends your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's pet host, Pia Silvani, teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetsessions.com.
0: Pets can be a wonderful addition to your life because they're a member of the family. Keeping them healthy and happy is important. Pet Life Radio presents The Pet Doctor with veterinary media consultant and veterinarian Dr. Bernadine Cruz. Whether you have a dog, cat, reptile, or rabbit, you'll find answers for your pets straight from the vets. The Pet Doctor. On demand every week only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets
6: on
1: PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Pet
6: <laughs>
2: Okay, that could wake anybody up. Dr. Jim. Yes, we're so, back. We're talking about needles and inoculations. So, um, what do you suggest? In terms of what, Brian? You know, what we talked about some of the inoculations that puppies should have. When sure. should they have them?
5: Well, I like to go 8, 12, 16. For the distemper one, and a lot of times, you know, by law in the state of New Hampshire, they need to have that first distemper vaccine before they can get placed. So I usually like to go eight, twelve, sixteen. With the rabies, we tend to do it later on, around sixteen. But the state law states at twelve weeks they can be inoculated for rabies vaccine, and this is dogs and cats actually too.
2: Right well, uh, now, now people are always concerned that there's going to be some side effect or possibly uh, an immune compromised puppy from too many inoculations. What do you tell them? Well,
5: I think too many vaccinations is kind of just again, if we go back to the maternal antibody concept, it's like playing (laughs) Pac-Man. What you're doing is you're, you're giving them something that their maternal antibodies are just destroying. So if we remember the concept of giving them the vaccines as they wean off it all holds true and if we I see some I had one the other day from a shelter that had three vaccines before uh, seven weeks of age and it's just you know it's just it's not doing anything
3: because the mother's milk provided that
5: you get it, okay. yeah, and it's just not a, it's it's not a good thing. So it's it's not a you know it's not a healthy way to go. I uh, will right, tell you though, the you're... one I really would like to share with people, Brian, I think you and I had talked about it was Lyme vaccine, and what I'm doing with that now after this conference we went to is I'm doing it twice as a puppy, and then we're finding at seven months of age there's some breakthrough in immunity. We don't know why, so we give them one at seven months, and then it's one year, two year thereafter. And this one guy we talked to from Connecticut at this conference, his practice is 100% completely lime free And I know it seems like a in, lot of vaccines. In Connecticut? Yeah. I know it seems like a lot of vaccinations, but I like it. It's right. Really.
2: There's Lyme-Connecticut where this really started from.
5: Yeah. So, yeah so he's in the middle of it.
2: To be Lyme-free in Connecticut is really somewhat spectacular.
5: Well, to yeah. be honest with you, I... I, I um. i I questioned him i said you got to be kidding me because you know i've had dogs who have died from suspected lymes, and folks have looked at me and said dr jim i did everything you asked you know i gave those two vaccines as puppyhood why did he get it and now we just think that there's that breakthrough at seven months and they don't understand why
2: interesting well as usual you're on the cutting edge Hey, I gotta, someone's got to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not necessarily true, but it, it's nice that you usually are, Dr. Jim. Well, listen, you go enjoy your day. Thanks Absolutely. for the info. Ne- and, and I'll see you nice next day. week.
1: Uh, yeah,
5: I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're feeling better. And Terrence, keep up the great work. I got so many people coming in really saying in your praises of how good of a job you do, dog training.
2: Really appreciate it. Thanks for yeah. having me. There's
3: All right, no,
5: gentlemen, enjoy the day.
2: There's no accounting for taste. <laughs> anyway... Now, Terence Kirby is one of the tal- most talented dog trainers around, so, and you're really pushing this puppy training. Yeah, I'm I'm big on puppy training. I- I'd rather prevent a problem than solve a problem. Well, you know what? I don't think people should train puppies. I think they should really let their puppies grow into dogs that are totally unmanageable, will bark, bite, hump, and pee mm. on guests, and then they can go, then what then put do we your foot do down. with it? Yes, and then go, it's stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> okay. When so, people tell me their dog is stubborn,
3: I say, I've never really met a stubborn dog. I've met a dog that doesn't understand the rules.
2: Right. I, say, I tell them confused. Yeah. You know, because it takes all that oomph out of it. When the dog right. is stubborn, it's really challenging. He did that because owner. he's mad at me. Yeah. So, so what this is, and we have a great book called My Smart Puppy, book and DVD. Love that DVD. So, it's a great, you know, when you get the puppy at seven, eight weeks old, you look at that, you can use some of the exercises, and then get into class. I used the doorknob trick the other day with,
3: uh, with our puppy. <laughs> okay. Leash to the doorknob and teach positions off the leash. Yeah. It keeps them
2: off you. It, it's Great mu- tip. It's much easier. Yeah. So, that's a great primer. And you're going to be living with these guys for the next 10 to 15 years. You know, and what Terrence said before, preventing bad habits from developing is much easier than some of the stuff that we get called in on. At this age, they're little sponges. Their their minds
3: are wide open for information. You really have to take advantage of it. You'd be surprised if you do your puppy homework. By the time the dog is six months, the the, the words they know and the commands they know and the rules of the house, it's, it's amazing. But do you think people are still
2: confused, you know, as yes. far as this... Well, let me finish my question. Okay. Slow down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about what dominance is and what training is about? Absolutely. You know, they, we always hear about Alpha and leader of the pack, you know, and showing the dog who's boss. Right. You know, it's an eight-week-old puppy. If you have to show it who's boss, you've got a problem. But besides that, um, do you think people really understand that what training is? What, you know, I, I have my opinion of it. What is your opinion? What does training do? My, and... To kind of ask me two questions. The first one, yeah, I think
3: that people do have different ideas of what training is. Um, I know a lot of clients come in and say, "Are you going to train my dog?" And I tell them, "I can train your dog, but he may not work for you if All I right. train him." And uh, training is a relationship. And I, I try to look at myself as it's my job to teach. It's my job to give feedback to the dog and not to put him in situations where he's going to fail. And understand. Developmentally, where that dog is. And it's getting easier for me now, especially since I have kids, to understand I can't leave my 2-year-old alone in the house. Something's going to go wrong. I can't leave my 10-week-old
2: puppy without supervision. Something's going to go wrong. All right. But the, the other thing, one of the things, you know, you really learn to speak the same language through training. Yes. It's communication. Yeah. You know, and being able to tell the puppy, first teach it and then use it. So you can start directing the behavior. Sure. So it knows what to do.
3: And it, and it develops kind of like that common, I don't know whether it's a bond, but it's the, the puppy knows when you're paying attention. and He knows how to communicate with you and you know how to communicate. You develop a
2: rapport. I, yes. But I, I, I think one for. of the things people always want to develop in their dogs is where the dog is constantly looking to them going, what do you want me to do? And you really develop that early on. Where they defer to you and say, what should I be doing in this situation? Right. And you start teaching them what to do, where they start learning to look to you for direction instead of you constantly trying to get their attention and using their names numerous times. Yeah. Uh, and to be ignored or to get what I call dog butt. Yeah. Because when I start with clients, I always go, okay, what does he know? And I saw one client, so a big dog, in fact, a couple of them. So I said, what does he know? Well, sit, 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 sit. Went, okay, is he deaf or just does and people don't realize it that you know when you tell your dog to do something and they walk away from you you know basically they're going whatever yeah you know you've convinced them that it doesn't mean anything right and with puppies you got the chance to really teach them what it means exactly and and
3: with with our puppy anytime he looks at me anytime he does name recognition i try to reward that make that a very positive oh experience. give me the voice which one?
2: At the puppy boy. Good boy. <laughs> <laughs> He's such a good boy. <laughs> so you're going to change your intonation versus giving him direction which is sit and then using the praise tone afterwards.
3: I'm not going to sound like Richard Simmons, but I can use an upbeat happy voice.
2: You know, you just scared me on that between the wig and the shorts, it's not a good image. Um but as far as really praising the wanted behavior, sure. now yeah. the big thing in the training field, and I'm going to be talking about this next week. I want to talk to Terrence uh, about puppy training more, but there's a new, there was a study out about a year ago from the University of Pennsylvania. A lot of misguided, all positive trainers mm-hmm. are quoting it as Bible, and it's some of the poorest science I've ever seen. But one of the things, corrections. Do you correct puppies? I don't correct puppies. I redirect puppies.
3: Okay. Um I've seen my older dogs correct the puppy. Okay. And, and the other thing, I mean, what is a what is a positive trainer? Let's let's define that. What's a pu- what is that positive trainer? Is that what does that mean? You tell me. Well, positive to me means that there's no adversives whatsoever. Then you have to define what the adversive is. Is it, is it a tight leash? Is it is it no leash at all? Is it withholding food? I mean, we have to kind of be clear about this if we're going to throw the words around this as a punishment based trainer or a purely positive trainer
2: well well, the the thing is what's interesting in the field there are not any studies saying what is the most effective right and what's happening a lot and I think this is one of the reasons Cesar is so popular people want results you know they don't want a therapy program and how you get those results are going to vary according to the dog and the owner right so so you don't use any corrections you never tell a puppy no you you don't you know stop it from jumping mouthing growling over a bone yeah but I don't see that as a correction
3: I do all those things but I, I don't see it as a correction I see a correction as more as um, something that I'm adding to it like a leash correction or something like that and I, and I don't do any of those with the young puppy
2: Okay, we're talking uh, puppy training. Puppy uh, training. Ter- 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 terrence Kirby from My Dog's Mind. Give us a call at 1 888 441 9876.
0: Give your dog some thought. With Dog Thoughts, it's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about.
1: Hey, what do you think of this? A man in Davis, California says he invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's.
3: Huh? No, it's true I've read about it on my cat's
0: Twitter page That's why I... Jay Leno talked about it CBS reported on it And now you can see what all the buzz is about Created just for dog lovers Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun Shake your dog and read his mind <laughs> On your iPhone, of course
6: I'm Deborah Wolf, and I'm inviting you to my animal party on Pet Life Radio. The dress code? Come as you are. Pajamas, a tux. You can even go naked like your pets. <laughs> Unleash your party animal at my animal party. Guests you know from Animal Planet, TV, radio, the news, and bookstores will be joining me. And that's because after I won Best Pet Radio in America from the DWAA, I got my paw on the door and I met a lot of amazing people. And the best of the best are going to be coming to the party. They're coming to party with us. So join us at the animal party. Don't miss the party.
0: Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
2: It's always interesting talking to another dog trainer. One of the things we're talking about off-air is what people consider corrections. All right, and the field is moving towards absolutely no correction. You make them very, very comfortable. You never do anything upsetting. You ignore unwanted behavior and then hope for the best. You know, this is known as bite me. All right? <laughs> it doesn't work. All right? Maybe one out of 20 puppies you can get away with this. There's no tried and true formula uh, that is proven. So, as far as the approaches that you're taking, first you want to teach, and after you teach, you want to use it, but there are going to be certain times that you interrupt behavior. Certainly. Right? And you don't interrupt behavior with a positive on the whole.
3: No, you don't have to interrupt behavior with a positive. Like I was saying, when, when our puppy jumps up and, um, and tries to take food off the, one of my kids who's having breakfast, I won't um, bring a cookie to his nose and lure him off that position. I'll take the leash or take his collar and, and remove him from that situation. All
2: right, so there's a consequence. Yeah, there's a consequence. And that's a correction. Sure. Removing it from the situation, going, I'm unhappy, can be you know, seen as a correction.
3: Right, and, I, and if you're, if I'm consistent about that, I, s- I start to see the behavior happen less and less.
2: Right. But the thing is, is what I think people, what some people are trying to do is saying any type of correction is abusive. Mm. That's why I'm so hot on this University of Pennsylvania study bogus science it just gets me over the edge yeah because it doesn't allow people to really um train their puppies the way they should and their dogs the way they should you know if the dog knows something i have no problem correcting the dog does that mean hitting yelling screaming or inflicting pain no but it does mean letting the dog know that it's really crossed the boundary and and that's okay to do that it's more than okay it's necessary yep you know, and then being as gracious as possible. And one of the things I tell my clients, one of the great lines I like to use, is the more you praise, the more effective your corrections. Because the dog goes, okay, this is really good. Uh-oh, they're unhappy. So it's easier for the dog to read. You tightening up, you looking past them, or letting them know that you're unhappy with the behavior. Yeah. So so you do use corrections.
3: Yes. Once, once we kind of defined what correction is... I, I do use corrections in that way.
2: Yeah. What, what I think is going to be happening more and more in the training field is, you know, training is an investment in money and time. Right? And after you go through a training class, because I don't know how many thousands of people have come up to me and said, I failed training class. I hear it all the time.
3: Or my puppy failed or
2: my or dog my, failed. Right. And I'm going, okay, did you go every week? Yes. Did you practice what they taught you? Yes. All right. You didn't fail. You were failed. There's a big, big difference. And I think people, you know, I'm talking to people that are going through two years of classes for basic work. Mm -hmm. I'm going, this is like a therapy program that just doesn't end. Yeah. You know, you should be getting immediate results. Dog training is one of the few things that when you do it appropriately and effectively and humanely, you can get immediate results. And I guess that's why your classes are packed.
3: They are, and, and I, I also tell my clients it's a numbers game. You've you got to do the repetitions. You have to do the practice in order to see the results. The, the, the dog is not going to train himself. He needs our input, and and you need to do those ABCs
2: of dog training and well, repetitions. if you don't teach, you shouldn't be correcting. Right. You know, half the dogs in America think their names are no. There's a reason for that. Yep. All right? But they're not taken and taught. And One of the things... It's funny. I actually took my own advice. Um, I was watching TV the other night. Some of my dogs are hanging out. I got three of them. And I said, okay, grooming time. Commercial comes on. I go and get the grooming tools. And, you know, grooming is not a wrestling match or a mud match. So I, you know, lay my PJ down. um, What breed is PJ? Pitbull mix. um, Terrier. Very cute. Very nice. But can be a little bit like, oh, God, oh, God. Shelter dog? Yeah, uh, 9-11 dog, um, wow. a puppy, uh, that when they were overwhelmed. So anyway, I laid her on her side, and it's been a while since I've done this, and she was like, I don't know, and I'm like, uh, this is not optional. you know. And I went over her, as I suggested early on in other shows that people do with their dogs. Head to toe. Head to toe, yeah. lifted up her lips, looked in her eyes, looked in her ears to see if they were clean, and then proceeded to brush her. All right, did one side, flipped her over did the other side right. that, one, she enjoyed it because I did some massage if she started getting a little bit restless I just waited and go. no, we're finishing this All right. it probably took me, I don't know ten minutes, but after that she was like, what else do you want to do? that's dog training that is dog training yeah. and one of the things I te- want puppy owners to know is one of the things that you should be able to do is teach your puppies to settle one of the first things we teach is to puppy hold right So you can handle the puppy and also groom the puppy and soon-to-be dog without any problem. So So. you
3: don't get the dog who has to be put... Put to, put, not put to sleep, what do they
2: call it? Put under to have his nails cut. Bulgarian anesthesia. Yeah, yeah the vet always goes, tack! <laughs> and then they throw it in a headlock and then they get to wrestle with uh, it. And it makes it ten times worse. It does. I Nail you know, anxiety. I've said through the years, Terrence, when somebody brings in an unneutered Rottweiler, three years old, that has nails that looks like they're a Chinese emperor, all right, that goes into combat pay. Yeah. They should be charging more for that to handle a dog like that there is absolutely no reason except people not investing their time into it teach that stuff early well it makes a huge difference and especially if you have kids okay so you got a little cattle dog puppy yeah that loves to herd and nip and how many what, what's the breakdown of the kids uh six four and two boy girl
3: boy girl boy okay, so you got two michael, boys, michael mary jonah okay
2: <laughs> you got two boys running around yeah a little bit different from the girl
3: a little bit, yeah. Very different, actually.
2: Two-year-old's a hellion. Okay. so Sorry, Jonah. Uh, <laughs> Jonah's tooling <laughs> all over the place. This 10-week-old herding puppy is going, hmm, this looks interesting. And it does. What do you do? We have a rule that if you're going to interact with the puppy, you've got
3: to have a toy to interact with the puppy. So we have these big, long toys where if they're going to play with the puppy, they have to... Because the puppy's going to bite something. It's a cattle dog puppy. They're mouthy. Um, so it's supervised... Play and it's the the kids have to have something to, have to to put that in that puppy's mouth. All right. Do you ever leave Jonah alone with the puppy? No. Why? It's just inappropriate. No, but he can do something to the puppy. The puppy because Jonah's is just as unpredictable as the puppy is.
2: All right. So it's a cocktail for. It's a setup a for situation. failure. Yeah. So you never allow them alone. To my bet, to the best of my ability. What about when the puppy's eating? Do you have the kids introduce anything, or do you have the kids do something with them?
3: We have the kids. We right now we feed by hand, and we feed kind of a um, a semi raw diet where we cube it up, and the puppy works for each meal. All right, so the kids are involved in this. Yeah, sometimes.
2: So not know, every time, but sometimes. Well, with your older boy, all right? Is he telling He's, the puppy to sit and to down and to come and? Yeah, he can do all that stuff. So he, they're really involved. and so could the four year old. Okay, so they're really involved in the training. Yeah, they love they love having the puppy around. Do you think that makes a difference with the puppy's opinion of the kids? Yeah. How so?
3: Well, it gets it gets the kids are so different from adults just how they interact with the puppy. They're on the puppy's eye level, kids move differently. They do things that an adult would never do, jump on the puppy's back. So, I just think that early socialization with the kids is going to make a, a slicker, more flexible dog as, as that puppy gets older. All right.
2: do do you set up situations where after you work with the puppy a little bit, you have the kids run around and being kids, so you can teach the puppy not to become overstimulated?
3: Yeah, what we'll do is if I, and I'll do it impromptu, there's always a little bowl of cat food up on the counter, and that's great because I can grab that and do some quick training with the puppy. If I see the puppy start to get overstimulated with the kids, I can say, Bavo, and he'll look at me and I'll do a sit or a down. Bavo? B-A-V-O, Bavo. Isn't it a great name? Have you ever heard that name before? No. Here you go. Oh, uh, it sounds like Batmobile. <laughs> um, w- Where's it from? Well, we couldn't. I always named all the dogs, and my wife wanted to name this dog. It's her dog. It's not my dog. And uh, her father's from Australia, and his best friend's was name was Bavo. Because in us, they shorten everything in us. It was Babington. Is Bavo.
2: Okay.
3: And when we looked it up, this is a long story. How much time do we have? So it's not that much. Okay, so when we looked it up, it also was my eyes are starting to close. <laughs> was it was radio. Bavo. Bring it up. There was a Saint Bavo, and this guy lived in a log, and the dog came from hollow log kennels. So it was an omen. We had to name on that. Okay, that makes sense. you're it is
2: Bavo. Yeah, and, and instead of just having one too many beers one night and going, <laughs> "What do you want to name the dog?" Right. I don't know. How about Bavo? we we'll just s- drop the <laughs> R. <laughs> 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 Bravo. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. So, if you have questions about your puppies, give us a call at 1-888-441-9876. One of the things I've encountered is bad breeding mm. or unstable puppies. Have you encountered them? Absolutely. So, tell me about them.
3: It's, you know, it's it's disturbing to see. Um, if I see a puppy come in that's cowering in the corner and, and won't approach me and isn't social and there's... That's going to be some tough work to do with that puppy at this early age. If it's
2: genetically based fear. Yeah. It's going to take ten times the amount of work. Ten times. All right. And a very committed owner. Very committed. So we're going to be talking about temperament a little bit more when we get back. Give us a call at 1-888-441-9876. You're with Great Pets. I'm Brian Cole Commons with Terrence Kirby from Your Dog's Mind or My Dog's Mind?
3: My Dog's Mind.
2: You sure it's your dog and not my dog?
3: My dog. Okay,
2: mine. good. We'll be back.
6: Greetings, human. What? Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters. Ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion. With a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets with your paranormal pets ghostly host, Dusty Rainbolt. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Let's talk
6: pets. Let's talk
1: pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com.
2: Dancing in the dark, as many people are with their new puppies. <laughs> what are we doing? Okay. <laughs> so, we're talking about puppy training, setting boundaries, and um, how to create better behavior. So, can people do this on their own?
3: I think it depends on the person. Um, I think it helps if you have some guidance and
2: someone sets up a protocol for you. Mm. Well, it, this this is one area that everyone's an authority on. You know, dogs. Oh, Just everybody's ask dog trainer. Yeah, roll right. up that newspaper and uh, rub his nose in yeah. it. Yeah, so you may want to look into some puppy classes uh, that you're running at Terrence Kirby, My Dog's Mind. And we have Karen from Kachiko on. Hey, darling. Hello, how are you? Ah, uh, good! Merry Christmas, Happy New Year! Oh yes! How did adoptions go?
4: Very well. We actually had um, several people take the smart route and wait till after Christmas. So it was good.
2: How nice! Yeah. So you have puppies?
4: We do. We have um, we have everything, <laughs>
2: actually. Have that this is nothing new.
4: No. <laughs> so
2: so who do we have on the slate for today?
4: Um, I would like to talk about Sweet Pea. Um, she's a dog that arrived to us as a stray of about a month ago. Um. Probably American Staffordshire mix of some sort, eight months old, and she's just one of the goofiest dogs I think ever met. She's a very happy dog.
2: Very happy dog. Yeah. So what type of household are you looking for for her?
4: Um, for her, she's actually quite intelligent, so she's going to need someone who can work her, keep her busy, keep her occupied with different things to do. Um, she's very good with other dogs here that she's met, so I think that would be okay for her. And she even respects the cats, so I think oh. that would be okay too.
2: She sounds like a really nice dog. What color is she?
4: She's brindle with a white blaze on her face.
2: Oh, nice! And yeah. if people want to get a look see at this dog, where do they go?
4: Um, CVHSonline.org, or they can come down today until four.
2: CVHSonline.org. dot mm-hmm. Okay. Or and you're open till four o'clock today.
4: We are here till four.
2: How's it going with the cats?
4: Much better. We actually, you know, knock on something. Have a few empty cages right now. That's better.
2: Thank that. Yeah. Well, wait until spring i know well, yeah then the wave comes get
4: through winter first <laughs>
2: yeah hello hey is any uh, movement being made on the uh spaymobile or what's going on
4: it is we're um in the research process right now where we're getting different veterinarians to you know help us out and support us and help us get what we need done raising money for it and we should be ready by probably late spring early summer
2: that's great it, okay. it is really needed and uh i commend chico for really taking this step and Getting some low-cost spaying and neutering uh, expanded in okay. the area. Thank
6: you.
4: So what
2: else do you guys need?
4: What else do we need? Hmm. Toys for the dogs, definitely. We're always in need of that. Okay. Um, a big item we need is a van to transport the animals. Um, Those are our biggest ones right now.
2: Okay, so toys, preferably Kongs, or something that can be uh, are indestructible and can be yeah. stuffed with food and washed. Mm-hmm. Um, All righty. Listen, um, a happy and healthy new year. You thank do a you. great job, Karen. You know I'm a big fan of yours. Yeah, thank you. And <laughs> Terrence Kirby, um, people looking for puppy training, uh, let them know about Terence.
4: Absolutely. We send people there all the time.
2: Thank you, Karen. And thanks for all the hard work you guys do over there. Thank you. Alrighty,
4: righty. Take care, one. love.
2: Bye. Um, all right. We're wrapping up. Um, Wishing everyone a happy and healthy week. We'll be back next week. Dr. Jim will be back. And then uh, we'll be taking uh, calls about questions. I want to be talking about this microchipping. You know, the industry really needs to be smacked around, for one. And for two, I'm going to be talking about this University of Pennsylvania Behavior Study. So, have a great week. I'm Brian Commons with Terrence Kirby from My Dog's Mind. Thanks for listening. Take care.
1: been listening to the Great Pets Radio Show. Join Brian and Dr. Jim next Sunday for more informative pet talk. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.